That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hello, ladies. Hello, gentlemen. This is the Victor Davis Hanson Show. I'm Jack Fowler, the host. Victor is Victor Davis Hanson. He's the star and namesake of this show. He's the Martin and Neely Anderson Senior Fellow at the Hoover Institution and the Wayne and Marsha Buskey Distinguished Fellow in History at Hillsdale College. I'm talking from Milford, Connecticut, where we, we have like minus three degrees here. It's pretty pretty mm. darn chilly. Uh, north of where a balloon finally left the United States and was shot down. So we're uh, this afternoon, we have news about that. Victor had talked a little about this balloon chinese balloon with the uh, the great sammy wink on a recent podcast but there's more to talk about on on that on some political stuff on pro-life kids getting hassled at the smithsonian and we'll get to all that right after this important message can't pay the irs haven't filed in a while receiving threatening letters yeah it's about to get worse. The IRS is hiring an army of agents targeting hardworking Americans like you. You need warriors on your side. You need Tax Network USA. Tax Network USA has brilliant strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. For instance, they've discovered a limited time special offer that the IRS is willing to waive $1 billion in penalties. Find out if you qualify before it's too late. Never call the IRS alone. Let Tax Network USA attorneys handle it. They have preferred direct lines to the IRS. They know which agents to work with and which to avoid. They've resolved over $1 billion in tax debts and offer a best-in-class guarantee. Schedule your free consultation now. Call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000 or... Visit TNUSA.com slash Victor. TNUSA.com slash Victor. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. We're back with the Victor Davis Hansen Show. So, Victor, this Chinese spy balloon, weather balloon, uh, has um, captivated the nation the last couple of days course was flying over the nation for well over a week um you've talked a little about it with sammy but uh i had just wanted to bring up one aspect that um hope you'll maybe you'll address and there was a piece um by paul bedard in the washington examiner 
Uh, let me just read this here quickly, and, and Victor, then get your thoughts on this. The threat of the balloon launch, uh, launched electromagnetic pulse attacks was warned about by a congressional EMP commission and inside uh, inside the military several years ago. I'm reading, I don't know, I'm reading some English here that doesn't make much sense. But anyway, the piece was about, hey, this this balloon is could very well be a test, a testing by the Chinese for one of these electromagnetic pulse bombs detonations that will could truly cripple uh, the nation. It goes on. You'll find it at the Washington Examiner. So this is a, obviously uh, from some military strategists, a truly, truly serious thing, not just a violation of our sovereignty. Victor, any other thoughts you want to share about um, this uh, now blown up balloon? Yeah, I, it, you know, I, I did a little bit on Laura that went, I think, just a few hours after it was over. Everything about this has been misinformation. And it it came across the Pacific. It came across the Aleutians. And they said, well, we didn't shoot it down because we were afraid of people. There's nobody out in the Pacific. And they could have and they could have zapped it right when it was in U.S. territorial waters or on the Aleutians. There's not very many people out there. So they didn't want to do it. And believe me, if this was Donald Trump reelected president right now and Vladimir Putin sent one over across and we didn't and Trump didn't do anything, he'd be impeached a third time. So the media gave them a pass. And as it as it progressed and it became evident to the American people in the sky, people started to ask questions and they said this is against international law this is violates u.s sovereign airspace this is not a weather balloon and even the pentagon admitted that and then they had the this usual chorus of james clapper and all the uh, the admitted liars the least truthful statement i said that type of lie from james clapper and he and all those people came in and said well you know it's nothing to get upset about what would you what would you gain with a sixty thousand foot balloon and as people pointed out it's much slower it's much closer and there were a lot of experts who thought that either you could get better photographic or electronic surveillance from that than a satellite or as you point out there were because the thing was the size of two buses right you don't need a camera the size of two buses so it was obviously having some type of payload if to see if it was viable and, and maybe there would be in a real war, something like that, that would have an explosive device that would have an EMP attack or whatever. But finally, the, the pressure grew so much that they shot it down today uh, as it, you know, left the Carolinas and as it was on its way out to the ocean. But again, I don't understand this because in Ukraine, they have discounted every single saber-rattling, inflammatory Putin remark. Every time they they send something, Humvees, we need Abrams. Abrams, we need F-16s. F-16s, well, we want F-35s, Patriot. Every time that Putin says, this is getting dangerous, you better be careful. They say, ah, he's never going to do anything. But on this case, which is not, which is our own airspace, it's not Ukraine, a third party. We say, oh, my God, what would the Chinese want to do? Listening to Blinken was so pathetic when he 
got on there and said, well, I can't go to China because of this. But you know what? I want to remind everybody how engaged and how we're working on climate change. I thought I, thought I was going to vomit in the car. I mean, he should have never, ever. And I just thought, you know what? They sized these guys up in Anchorage. Remember that, Jack? As soon as they took office, they went out to Anchorage and they had a summit. And right. they and they just dressed them down and just just and humiliated them. Right. And there's something about China. I mean, it's just like the Wuhan virus. They won't get anywhere near offending China. And China basically said, well, I it kind of got away. And we, we always follow. I mean, they didn't even have a very, very viable excuse. So they were also and maybe primarily so basically seeing what our reaction would be. There were a bunch of guys in the pop bureau in China said, like, hey, let's send over and see what they do. And if they don't do anything, and then we didn't until public pressure and the media kind of forced Biden to do something. And then, you know, they would say, well, if we go into Taiwan, they'll wait a week or they'll wait six days or what. This was a, a literal, as people pointed out, this was literally a trial balloon. And they looked so they looked so weak. I mean, what would it have to take for the Pentagon to do something? And then when you had Biden leaking today that uh, it was the president who made the firm decision uh, and the i.e. the Pentagon uh, had been adverse to it, then the whole Mark Milley sordid record comes back up. How is this guy still chairman of the joint chiefs this is a guy who got in front of congress and alleged that there was white rage and supremacy in the ranks and all he uh achieved by that unfounded accusation that had no data no information no internal studies he managed to get many of the branches of the service off by 50 percent in the recruitment because as i keep saying he offended people who die at twice their rate the general population and god awful places like Iraq and Afghanistan. And then we think, you know what? This is the same guy who called up his PLA counterpart. Remember that? According, and he didn't deny it, that he was going to tip off the Chinese if Donald Trump gave him an existential order, given that he thought Dr. Milley, professor of psychiatrist, psychiatry, thought that Donald Trump was non compost mentes. Then he, Mark Milley, who has no operational authority he's not in the chain of command for operations he's just an advisory uh uh component the joint chiefs are to advise the president about security issues then they were all going to report to him this is the same guy in addition that told us that afghanistan was viable in june and july and he's the same guy who told us that uh, we shouldn't be too optimistic about the ukrainians first week of resistance He's the same guy who did a photo op as all joint chiefs. I wrote an article and went through the whole list of them that always loved to do photo ops with the president, including Colin Powell and the elder Bush, when he not only did a photo op, but during the riot in Los Angeles, Colin Powell pinned a note to George H.W. Bush and said, I've got 5,000 Marines. They're raring to go. Just give me the word, Mr. President. And suddenly Given all that history and tradition, Milley then says, oh, I shouldn't have had a photo op with Donald Trump. So that guy, by every measure, 
of performance in that office should have been fired and a long time ago. He's been a disaster. Yeah. I wonder if he's uh, angry that he didn't get a call from the Chinese uh, chief general to say, oh, our balloon got lost. Just oh, yeah. According to the way that he looks at the world, uh, his counterpart in the PLA called up and said, hey, General Milley, I just want to warn you that the people I work for, Chi is he's crazy. I don't know what he's going to do, but guarantee I'm going to tip you off if we do something stupid like send a balloon right over your airspace. Is that what he thinks they do? You think they're going to play the Millie role in China? It's really scary that somebody like that has such a position of influence. And again, here we are, and we're upping the ante every day in Ukraine. And then the left and the anti-Trump right keep assuring us that you can't be provocative enough with a man that has 7,000 nukes, Vladimir Putin. And yet, when when the Chinese do this, or we have an open border, oh, we can't offend Mexico, oh, we can't offend China. And these are things that are not in Ukraine, they're in our sovereign territory. And again, there's something weird about the left. It, it, it It's almost as if in a reductionist sense that anything that is not in U.S. interest Therefore, and anything that is in U.S. interest, they're against. They don't want to shoot down a balloon, but they sure do want to empty our arsenal to provoke right. Vladimir Putin. Well, maybe what's in the U.S. interest runs counter to the concept of this one worldism and the Davosism, you know. So, the yeah, that's, of that's America. A, well, obviously so, because we don't have a southern border anymore. It disappeared somewhere around January 2021 five to six million illegal entrants. And I hope, I hope that Kevin McCarthy can marshal his thin majority to impeach Mayorkas, because if there was ever a clearer case of impeaching a cabinet uh, official, it's it's Mayorkas, because he's deliberately, systematically, comprehensively defied the law. Yeah. And he's an executive officer who's tasked with enforcing immigration law. Right. And he has not done it. He's deliberately eroded it, subverted it. And the proof of the pudding is the five to six million entries that were all illegal in which he greenlighted. Right. And that's, that's just that's besides insulting, you know. The well, and Patrol. as you've written about before, it's confederatism and another yeah, another it, means. We're going to yeah. have some unnoticed existing laws. Right? Nullification, just like right. South Carolina. Hey, Victor, um, related to China, and I'll assume there'll be some polling, and we'll talk about it on another podcast then, but making assumptions, there'll be polling about how the American people are feeling about uh, China. I have to believe uh, the numbers will are already high, negative are high, and will get even higher. Um, But in Congress, we know there's been... um, well, we saw in Florida, we saw some action of the, the uh, government there uh, against China purchasing more land. Um, there's a bill now that uh, Representative Mary Miller of Illinois has put forward. That's a foreign land purchase ban, and sort of an embargo. You've brought up before the idea of, of uh, reciprocity in the sense of, well, why can they buy land here if we can't buy land there? I, just, I wonder if... Um, if it, of course, you have to have the you have to have the numbers in Congress to pass the bill and the president to sign the bill. 
But I wonder at some point if uh, kind of a national eminent domain is not um, uh, something worth considering, at least with China, maybe even Venezuela or other countries that have bought, you know, our enemies have bought land in America to just take it back. Now, why should China own land? Uh, why should why should be frozen in place that they own land? Well, I mean, it's got to be reciprocal with China. That's all they understand. Any magnanimity that we show, they interpret as weakness and they want to exploit it. They never reciprocate our kindness and like and like measure. So, yeah, just the, it's very simple with the Chinese. You always just say, what if what if right now? American investors were buying farmland with connections to the U.S. government all around Chinese military bases. What would China do? Would they allow that to happen? No. What if an American balloon was was going across the entire transcontinental uh, longitude of China? Would they allow that? No. We know that because they shot down an airliner during the George W. Bush administration. They not only forced it, I should say, forced it to land. They kept the people as detainees, and then they rifled through the plane and basically cannibalized it and took all the information. And so if you don't treat them the way that they treat other people, then they're going to have contempt for you because that's how they think, communist. And I don't know why we have to learn this again and again and again. You can't trust these people and they want to destroy the United States and they feel that they can humiliate us with a balloon. They feel they can humiliate us by buying. I mean, they're not even subtle, are they? They buy. It's the same. It's the same mindset as a balloon. We're just going to send a balloon into your sovereign airspace. What that. F are you going to do about it? Oh, by we're, we're going to buy some farmland right next to a missile base. What the F are you going to do about it? That's their attitude. And then they well, get, you, and it's all set up so they can get out. Like, oh my God, you racist Americans. How dare you do that? I'd like to, you know what? It's every university. And I mentioned this on the air the other day, but here I am at Stanford University and there was a Confucius Society, which is basically as Mike Pompeo tried to shut shut them down as Secretary of State. They were fronts for communist propaganda. But we had a Chinese neuro, I guess you would call it not, not a neurologist, but a neurobiologist. And she was in attached, I think, to the Department of Biology Dash by courtesy of the medical school. And she was a, she was a agent of the People's Liberation Army. And then when Betsy DeVos finally, you know, find all those universities for not transparently admitting how much cash they got, which was illegal not to admit it, then Stanford just sort of nonchalantly said, well, I guess if you go back to 2010, we've got over $50 million. Hmm. I'm thinking, wow, $50 million. And what does that earn? That earns a petition from 176 Stanford professors saying, please don't, don't you dare, Trump administration, go after Chinese nationals in our universities, i.e., uh, you know, a neurobiologist that's on the faculty of Stanford. Of course, and then I don't even have to get into Dianne Feinstein, our barrier senator, with a Chinese spy for 20 years as her chauffeur, or Eric Swalwell uh, having relations with Fang Fang, 
I'm not the brightest guy in the world, but as I think I said on an earlier podcast, Fang Fang came and visited me once as a quote unquote member of the consulate in San Francisco who was furious over my anti-Chinese op-eds. And it took me one second in that meeting to see what she was. She was a spy. And uh, so so Swalwell... (laughs) That's a whole, I mean, I can't imagine right. a guy in the intelligence committee which should be so stupid. Yeah. Victor, by the way, you know, they own, we're talking about Red China owning land, et cetera. You know, they may they may own the presidency also. I, I didn't tell you this before the show, but I just want to raise it here before we move on to another, another subject. I know one of the first, actually the first website you ch- you say you check out every day is Powerline. And I, I looked at it today. I hadn't looked at it the last few days. And there was a piece by uh, John uh, Hinderaker. I, I never know if I'm saying his name right. I don't either. Uh, well, he's a great writer, John. Is, and he had a piece from the, from February 2nd titled Hunter Biden, More Depraved Than You Knew. Did you read this piece? <laughs> I did. It's I went and clicked on the link. This is about like, you know, I cannot not believe that the Bidens are totally compromised through this laptop with China. But um, it talks about there's a group called Marco Polo that has put the contents out on in a PDF of searchable document. It's almost 700 pages. And John <laughs> admits like the naturally he started with the section called sex related crimes link. Well, I went to it, too. I, I, I mean, it's utterly shocking how how just totally immersed in um, sex, pornography, and drugs. sex, drugs, and which is like you you a candidate a for then the vice president's son, now president's son. So for being, for being a, you know exploited we have, by, yeah, by governments, we, we have children, both of us, and if one of our children had a laptop like that and did the things that they did. You think that you or I or anybody listening who loves dearly their children, but if their child performed in a in a manner of hundred would they say he's the smartest man I ever know knew? That's yeah. Joe Biden's direct quote. And right. so I, I get back to this another kind of theme that I've been pounding for three years. And that is that when you look at some of those emails and he shows that, and we've talked about this before, the resentment toward his dad. I pay his bills. I have to pay his bill. I think he's whining to his uh, cousin. I pay pay his bills. And then he says, Mr. The big guy, and 10%. And I think that Joe Biden is very, very wary because when you're a president of the United States, the last thing you do, you want to do is allow your son to hawk a bunch of two-bit art to Chinese investors to get influence. Nobody does that. And yet here he was doing that. And they've given him a complete free reign because they can't control him. But also, I think they're scared of him, Jack. I think they look at that laptop and they see references to Joe Biden and they think, oh, my God, I've gotten millions of dollars somehow on a senator's salary. I ended up with these three beautiful multimillion dollar homes and I've got all these assets. And this guy is at the heart of it. And if I offend him or cut him off, he's going to go, who knows what a crackhead will do. Yeah. And that that's sort of what the, his attitude is. By the way, so they, looking 
Yeah, and he lost another laptop too. By the way, I don't know if three. You know I think no, he's lost three <laughs> altogether. How, yeah, who? I mean, whose hands aren't our enemies who don't have this and leverage with? Yeah, this well, think think about the Biden. So let's go through the inventory. So Hunter lost three laptops. He left a crack pipe in a rented car. Remember that? Then he remember he lost his his gun i think he his wife right. or he they threw it in the dumpster in a dumpster yeah yeah that, and they had to go fbi had to go retrieve the the gun they had to try to retrieve they did one of the laptops and then there's the daughter and she moved out and she left the diary and as as i said to sammy i've had a lot of rental agreements when i leave when i left as a student my apartment Many months later, I might have forgotten something. I don't go back in that apartment and say, oh, that's mine. No, you've left it. It's theirs. Or they threw it away. That's what, as we said on Sammy's, that's what we do when you watch these rental rent, you know, those storage lockers where they have buy a buy a chip and we'll see what's in it. Or yeah. storage on, wars. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. That's because the owner lost. He lost ownership rights to it. So yeah. she lost ownership rights, and yet they went after James O'Keefe and got him in his underwear on the allegation that he had, quote, unquote, stolen this diary. So there's a diary. There's all of Hunter's stuff. And then there's Joe's papers. This family can't keep anything straight. Joe lost his. He put the papers in the library. No, he put it in an on-name room. No, he put it at his office at the Biden Center. No, he put it in the garage. He just can't remember, just like Hunter can't and just like the daughter can't, Ashley Biden. Something's very wrong with all of those people. And that makes it even more disgusting when the FBI has turned into a what a professional retrieval service. They yeah. sick sicked agents on O'Keefe about the diary. They got former, uh, they took the the laptop, they put it on ice for a year. They worked with Twitter and lied about it and hired Twitter at $3 million a year. And they basically put out that don't print any information. This is disinformation. Right. And so, so effective were that Joe Biden referenced that in the debate, which, you know, I still can't figure out how we're told all of these brilliant, high-paid Hunter Biden lawyers, right, right. that he hired $1,000 an hour. And I'm thinking, right. okay. Right. I, when I heard that, I was thinking, this is going to be very interesting because they're about ready to file motions or contact the DOJ. But how could they? Because the Joe Biden said in the debate with Trump that it wasn't his diary. And he said earlier that 50 intelligence uh, ex-officials have proved that it wasn't. And then we have Hunter right. on four occasions. Remember? Well, uh, it could be. It could not be. It might be Russian disinformation. But then again, it might have been hacked. Or it could be. My, I don't know. And yeah. now now his high-priced lawyers are saying, you, Mr. Jean-Pierre Mac, whatever his name is, you have broken the law. Because you took the contents of Hunter by, as soon as they said that, I thought, wow, this is stupid. You yeah. could get a guy from Salma at 50 bucks an hour that wouldn't make that mistake. <laughs> and of course, the next the next day they came back, right? And said, well, we didn't say it was Hunter's. We said if it could have been Hunter's or it could be Russian. You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. 
That, that case is going nowhere after they've done that. I can show you there are more pictures of Hunter on this and in, in pictures you don't want to see. You got to wash your eyes after it. it but that's the other thing, Gabby. You know, if this was some, some concocted piece of espionage as opposed to some pervert's actual uh, laptop, it would have taken thousands and thousands of hours to create the content that that is on this thing it's it's unfathomable that that this these well, 50 only, plus only experts a, yeah <laughs> only a narcissist would do it those pictures where he's almost gay looking where he's naked and he and he's kind of got a cigarette yeah you know, kind of like he's in the satiricon yeah there's something wrong with him and remember there's also that racist component where he has an exchange with his cousin about what type of hooker she's going to help him find. And remember, he says, no Asians. And she says, no, I don't do Asians. And, and you know, when I, when I juxtapose that to the corn pop saga and you ain't black and yeah. you're a junkie and first clean president, black a candidate who is articulate, the donut riffs. It, it, there's something wrong with that family for that that young person to be just, you know, we don't we don't want Asians. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. And and then he agreed, you know, or both of them agreed. There's yeah. something really bad, 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 bad. I, I I'm at one of adjectives: pernicious, disgusting, depraved. I don't know what the proper adjective is for that family. Yeah. But uh, they're pathological liars. All of them are. And they're crooks. And the only time, if you watch him lately, the only time he can become animated is when he's attacking somebody. If you have to, if he has to defend his record or anything, he's just boring and slurs word. But you get him on the Omega and he starts getting his eyes get beady and he gets angry. Right. And it's just, I mean, it's just a classic. Biden. I'd like to say it's the 85-year-old guy in the corner house when when you're a kid and you cut the right. corner sidewalk and he's like, "Get off my grass!" But right. he's always been this way. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was SOB. Yeah. Well, Victor, um, let's move on and and talk about uh, in the in the next uh, segment or two. We'll talk about uh, COVID emergencies ending, and we're going to talk about some pro-life kids tormented at the smithsonian and we'll get to that right after these important messages have you heard of cancer fighting foods the american cancer society discovered diets rich in fruits and veggies may actually lower lower your risk of cancer hopefully you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day if not you should consider adding field of greens your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is found in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. Will Field of Greens prevent, treat, or cure cancer? No, but it's so powerful, it promises at your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or your money back. I got you 15% off and free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code VICTOR, V-I-C-T-O-R, for your discount. That's promo code VICTOR 
at fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. Victor has a website, so excuse my stumbling here. Uh, VictorHanson.com is Victor's official website, and I heartily recommend our listeners visit it. Visit it regularly. Uh, you will find links to Victor's various appearances on other podcasts or the shows and his uh, ultra writing. So ultra are pieces he writes exclusively for VictorHanson.com. You can read them if you subscribe. What's that cost? $5 gets you in the door. It's $50 a year. Uh, Victor writes several pieces a week uh, for uh, VictorHanson.com. So if, you, if, if you're a Victor fan, and you are, <laughs> that's why you're listening, uh, you can't be a fan just with your ears. you got to be with your eyes also. So VictorHanson.com. Visit it. Um, Victor, th th so the story percolated over the last few days about these uh, pro-life uh, uh, high school kids who were in Washington January 20th for the March for Life, which is an annual occurrence. And as you know, as often kids from far away, they're coming on a school bus. They all dress with similar hats, like the Covington, you know, uh, high school kids. They were wearing red hats. Uh, why? Because while they're in Washington, they may be going, doing some sightseeing also. And it's easy to keep track of everyone if they're wearing something similar. You see that when you're uh, a tourist in Europe, there's 37 people and they're all wearing you know, the same blue shirt. Why? Because they're in a group. Well, these kids were wearing a, a blue hat cap, wool cap that said, you know, pray the rosary. And while they were in the Smithsonian, somebody from the Smithsonian came up and told them they could not wear these caps anymore because why? The political message on the hat and they were going to be in trouble and they were going to get thrown out. This is kind of, you know, this is at the Air and Space uh, Museum. Uh, can you imagine, Victor, in 20... Was it 2017 when the mar the the uh, women's march in Washington where oh, all the yeah. pussy hats? Imagine yeah. if there were people wearing pussy hats at the Smithsonian. They were told, "You got to get out of here. We don't expect." It's, it's don't the same it. theme that we all. I think everybody listening is sick of this because this this country was founded on justice with a blindfold, and that, that's the the Roman and Greek idea that that there has to be equality under the law and the government does not favor one side or the other but when you look at the trump raid versus the kid gloves versus uh, biden or you look at the fbi's partisanship it, everything has been weaponized and so we always say and we look at the january 6 uh, julie kelly's written some wonderful articles about the maltreatment that they've been subjected to I, you know, illegal parading, uh, four misdemeanors get you a year in prison. I, I I wish that guy, you remember in New York, Jack, with a hammer that went in and hit somebody and they let him out the same day. Next, I wish. Yeah. Why didn't they just charge him with illegal parading? 
If they charge him with illegal parading, they would have put him in a year behind bars. <laughs> That's what they did with the other yeah. guy at the Capitol or the guy that tried to attend to Ashley Babbitt before she bled to death, which she did. They dragged him away. They That doctor they put, uh, they I don't know how many, four or five months in jail. So it's not symmetrical anymore. And we all know that if you walked in to the Smithsonian and you said, choice, pro-choice or so. They wouldn't say a word. They wouldn't say a word. So there's a systematic effort to go after a particular segment. I shouldn't say particular. It's about half the population. And we can get into it in the next one, and we'll get into it. But when you look at the coverage of interracial uh, violence, or you look at the kid gloves of Officer Byrd, who basically lethally shot, almost executed Ashley Babbitt versus the the reaction, not just to the white officer, Shalvin, but the the reaction to the five policemen. That was white racist, too, supposedly. And so it, it just it's just overwhelming now. And I don't remember any time in my life when the law was so unequally applied or the customs and protocols of the government were so unequally applied. Well, in the South, in the South, before, you know, the Civil Rights Act was passed, there was, again, a connection with Confederate ways with the with the left. Yeah, I mean, you cannot pick up the Fresno Bee or a local media website and not see every single day a story that someone has been arrested for downloading pornography, and they should be. But how can that same society allow allow even a discussion that you're not going to use the word pedophile anymore, that it's going to be an under underage companion or partner? Or how can they even allow these drag shows where these trans gender people get up on stage and they touch their genitals, they simulate intercourse, and there's children in there uh, accompanying the parents. I mean, they can't take a child into a bar where a bunch of old guys are slumped over the bar drinking a martini, but you can bring a child in and watch that sexually explicit stuff. And it's all because of ideology. And that's, you know, that was my big disappointment. I Again, I have to apologize because I really thought that things like that had outraged the American people. And I didn't think they would fall for draining the, the, the petroleum reserve or the loan amnesty or demagoguing a robot yeah. versus Wade in the midterms. But it did work. But my God, think of what the left has done. They have destroyed the whole idea of jurisprudence. They've destroyed the whole idea of one restroom, another restroom for men and women. They have destroyed the idea of women's sports and records that were hollowed and had been there for decades of hard work for women to obtain, you know, equality. They just destroyed with these these transgendered athletes. I could go on, but they've done so much in, in so little time and nobody pushes back. Nobody pushes back about it. And well, they, they, they need to be every time I, I don't I don't like to criminalize behavior by lawsuits, but every time uh, they get sued, they back off. And you and I talk about the poor Baker now, the trend they're you know, they've got another, they target him. He right. no sooner gets, you know, he he gets off one and then they're back at him again. Right. You would think you won a case before the Supreme Court, you know, done. It's not. 
It's no, never done. No, the attitude is keep at it and you will find an Obama judge somewhere. And mm-hmm. when you find that Obama judge, then you're home free. This is a problem, if I may, Victor, with some of my you know colleagues, former colleagues or other um, outlets of conservative journalism who are, seem to be more interested in circular firing squads than doing some of the hard work, which would be like who uh, take the, the master piece, uh, Kate, um, uh, Jack Phillips. Who are the people on this Colorado panel that adjudicates the these you know this this bureaucracy that has been putting the screws to them? Why not take do some just do some legwork and writing and expose who these decision makers are? Like who's the person within the Department of Energy? That's we're not going to talk about this today. I'm going to raise it about the gas stoves. I think you saw in the last day or two. Yeah, you know what? They really were intending to put out a, a regulation banning gas stoves. It wasn't well, just were. something. Of course they were. Saying. So who of was course. it? Who wrote it? Like who's the bureaucrat? Let's get faces instead of. You never you know, know who they are until they come after you, and then when you try to sue them, suddenly you you're against the whole power. Uh, I had a whole chapter in The Dying Citizen, The Unelected, and I've watched it my whole life, Jack. When I started farming in 1980 with my brother's cousin, we had one, we had a wall in this little ad hoc packing house, and it had one regulation about the content of the wax and the water. And when I faded out into a full-time professor, there was about 30 of them. And it just was relentless, relentless. And they would all come out and you would say to them, we are packing 5,000 plums a day on a good day if we're lucky. This packer and that are doing 100,000. Some of them are doing 400,000 pack. Why don't you go over there and go after what the real problem is? Because we're not, we're doing, they always pick on, the bake, you know, this poor cake maker, or they, these poor ki- the the kids at the Smithsonian, they're cowardly. That's the thing to remember about these bureaucrats. They put their finger in the air every morning, and they find out where the power and which way it is going, and how their career t- trajectory will be affected. And then they make up, they make up uh, the exegesis, and you can see it with a balloon too. Right. So they shoot it. They're saying already, well, we we were planning to shoot it down. But, you know, there's five people for every square mile in Montana. So it's size of two buses. So that's what that wasn't why, because if you really believe that you could shot it, as we said, over the Aleutians or in the off right when it came across into the North American mainland. So they, but somebody made that decision and they were all for it. And then the decision was reversed and then they're all for the reversal and they make the necessary lies and corrections. And that's how it works. That's why, that's why, you know, starve the beast was that Reagan idea was that if you cut the revenue, then there's not enough money. But of course, it didn't work out too well because it just went up the debt. But they got to do something about these unaccountable judge, jury, and execution. Yeah. Judge, judge, jury, and execution. They're legislative, well, just, executive, and judicial all in one. I'll repeat myself. Uh, journalists uh, can be very lazy. They may be lazier than most people. But uh, entities that you know that are pu- publications, I think they could really be doing America a service by by uh, 
putting a name to these faces. For example, the, the pro-life guy that got off the other day, remember the, the, the guy in, in Pennsylvania who was charged uh, by the J- Justice Department because he pushed some yes. SOB uh, who's it's intimidating he, his kid. And they had the FBI SWAT team come to his house. Right, to his, right. Like who his ordered this? wife. Yeah, yeah who, who did? Who, 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 who You know ordered who ordered that? that? They, yeah. Some young spunky guy from Harvard Law School, Yale Law School, who works at the DOJ, who wanted to impress the assistant, who wanted to impress the associate attorney general, who wanted to impress Merrick Garland, who wanted to impress. That's how it works. And so that's how they did it. Because oh, And if, if it paid better, they'd be fascist. So if right. somebody said, you know what, if, if uh, you can raid some Antifa person, go ahead. And but they, it's not, it's not in vogue now. You can't do that now. But if it, it, I'm not saying they're not ideological, but it's basically careerist, and they do what is what they feel. Fifty one percent. That's why it's incumbent upon everybody listening, all conservatives. You have to send the message that you are the majority, right. and you run the institutions. And there's going to be consequences. You, the, the days of the Marcus of Queensbury rules are over with. Mm-hmm. That is a John McCain, Mitt Romney prescription to annihilation. That's smile and lose another election by, you know, four points and say how well you did. You've got to take it to them. You've got to be merciless. And because they are. And that's why I'm very pleasantly surprised that Kevin uh, McCarthy's doing, you know what I mean? Right. He's doing he's doing so far. He's he's got these people off the committees. But I didn't understand that, too. Was it three people on the on the Republican congressional body that voted present or they didn't want to take Ilian Omar off the committee? I and, saw that Nancy Mace, who's been making a name for herself the last, uh, you know, since November from South Carolina, was once she she wanted to see due process. Oh, yeah. This they, is politics. They, they, this, this is, is what she doesn't understand. That's like telling Lennon you need due process. They don't have one dissenting vote in the Democratic caucus. They don't not one. They never do. It's ironclad. They have an agenda. And if you think that they're going to be impressed by your magnanimity, you're sorely mistaken, Representative Mace. They're not. Ilya Omar is an outright anti-Semite. She, um, we talked about, talked it with about Sammy. that with Sammy. Yep. Yeah, and we did. And yep. the idea that she's on the Foreign Relations Committee is a travesty. So I'm glad that she, Kevin McCarthy, did that. Well, I'll just wrap up this uh, t- talk with by letting folks know that the the um, blue hats that the students wore at the Smithsonian that had you know the rosary on it, the word rosary, these illegal hats or troublemaking hats, forbidden hats, happened at the Smithsonian, which has an exhibit for the pussy hat. So at the at the Museum of American History, so it depends on what color hat uh, you are wearing. Some are some are permissible. Some political hats are permissible. Some not. So Victor, it's about time uh, that we get talking about one of our favorite topics, and that is COVID uh, emergency and government oh regulations. My God. So well, we'll we'll do that right after this final important message. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. 
It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with the Victor Davis Hanson Show. So Victor, the uh, president, um, announced a couple of days ago that on May 11th, the uh, the emergencies, uh, let me read this, Biden's announcement um, to Congress came in a statement opposing resolutions being brought to the floor by, this week by House Republicans to end the emergency with immediate effect. House Republicans are also gearing up to launch investigations into the federal government's response to COVID-19. By the way, the date set by the Biden administration for the end is of these emergencies is, is May 11th. Quote, an abrupt end to the emergency declarations would create wide-ranging chaos and uncertainty throughout the healthcare system for states, for hospitals, doctors, offices, and more importantly, for tens of millions of Americans, end quote, the Office of Management and Budget wrote in a statement of administration policy. Uh, you know, Victor, if there's no emergency, I agree. Like, what? Why? Why? what's the magical thing about May 11th? Why not February 11th? Why not today? Uh, because then... Let's let's ask everybody listening, to what degree were you aware of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases uh, prior to COVID? Did you remember who was Miss Burks? Who was Mr. Fauci? What was the CD? So these people expropriated power and the health establishment, and they don't want to give it up. And they were able to do all sorts of things. At one point, Anthony Fauci was adjudicating whether you had to pay your rent or not. If he could declare that this was a natural uh, national emergency and then the government, when they would use that medical ruling and say, you know, we have to be shut down. If you don't have a job, you don't have to pay your rent. We haven't really recovered. There's a good article, Jack, in Newsweek, the resurrected Newsweek, which is a little bit more to the center than the old Newsweek. Oh, but the this, old one was really yeah, left. Yeah, yeah. But, this is yeah. left, but it's left center. And this guy right. is a medical student, Kevin Bass, I think his name was. And it's basically, oh, I was so wrong. Can't we all admit we were so wrong? And basically, it's about a thousand words saying all the evil People that we loathe, like Jay Bacharia and Scott Atlas and John Ioannidis and the Martin Kullendorf and the Great Barrington people, were right that Sweden turned out to be no more, no less, on average, uh, 
as far uh, more no more or no less damaged uh, inordinate number of death than the average country in Europe, but without the social, economic, cultural trauma. And so then he he basically lays it out and says, you know, the spousal abuse, fam- familial abuse, suicide two years of education that will take five or six years, if ever, to make up with millions of kids that lost that. The psychological trauma of being isolated and we, in you know, all the things that happened from the George Floyd riots on and on and on, the change in the election, everything. If you take up that toll and you count it up, it, it's nothing. I mean, the the epidemic is nothing compared to the damage that we did because of the academic. When we destroyed civil liberties, we destroyed people's lives, we destroyed businesses, we destroyed the economy, we destroyed the way we vote. This is besides all of us who missed doctor's appointments or cancer screenings or cardio checks and died. And it, it's just a it's shocking, this article. It just says we were all wrong. We were all wrong. I'm, th- I'm thinking, well, yeah, everybody knew that. They tried to tell you, you and other people. They were they wrote about it. They they argued with you. But what did you do? You tried to destroy Dr. Bacharya. You tried to destroy Scott Atlas. You tried to destroy John Yanides. You tried to destroy Martin Kulendorf. They just tried to they tried to destroy them all. And there's no nobody ever gave them apology. Nobody ever said to Scott Atlas, "Hey, we shouldn't have suspended you from, with pay from the without pay or, or medical benefits from the Hoover Institution. Hey, we shouldn't have accused you of crackpot science and that you were unprofessional. We uh, members of the faculty senate, or we members of the men- none of them. They don't do that. I mean, they don't ever make up for the damage they did. I I can remember a little bit, and you know." There were things about the virus when it first came I was really troubled by, and that was I was starting to hear these reports. I hear I would spend, stay up late at night and look at these news accounts. You remember that people as early as September were having the virus? You remember that in uh-huh. Italy, Italy and China was saying that it didn't start until late January in America, I think it was February 13th. Right. And then, and then they were trying to tell us that the gene sequence was completely natural from a pangolin, pangolin or a bat, and it didn't. But there, it didn't make sense. And there were people who were objecting, and so I said, I think I wrote an essay and said, you know, and I think John Yanides did an early antibody sampling test where almost two or three percent of average people tested positive for COVID very early. And I wrote wrote this and said, I think COVID's been here since November. It turned out it was earlier. We didn't know about it. Uh, And the Chinese knew about it. And I wrote and I said, it's pretty clear that it came from the lab. And it's pretty clear that the Chinese government knew about it. And it's pretty clear that they green-lighted direct flights to Europe and JFK and LAX and SFO while they wouldn't let you travel if you were a resident of Wuhan anywhere else within China. So I went on. All these things are banal now. And this this person for, uh, I think her name was Hu, H-U, for Slate, attacked me 
And the next thing I knew, I had the Stanford alumni people at my, you know, that I had misrepresented my medical condition as if I had them because I had somebody had referred to me to as Dr. Hansen, which I never use. And I, I would never I've never been I've never called myself a doctor in my life, much less a medical doctor. So right. and I don't think having a Ph.D., warrants the word the title of doctor but nevertheless it was so weird and then i was thinking about that the other day that in that article almost everything i said was right right it, it was here in november or at least it was circulating and it was from the lab and the chinese government did know it and it's it uh, was probably up, and I think I I can't remember. But I think I also insinuated it was under the control of the Chinese military, which it was, the lab. And it was so self-righteous, this person attacked me. The only thing that was nice about it, I, I wrote a reply to her, and I, she said I was also racist because I suggested that the Chinese, that we have to be very careful that people are coming from China uh, and they had called us racist for having a travel uh, right. lock. Remember that? They said that right. when Trump did that too late, but they did call him. And I said, most of these people are from the uh, People's Liberation Army. And she said, this was great. And she said, I was a racist. And I, <laughs> so I, I quoted this very, very much more animated, angry account of Chinese students spying, of Chinese students being members of the People's Liberation Army families, of people uh, trying to peddle a false narrative about Wuhan. And then I, at the end of that reply, I pointed out that the person who wrote that was her boss at Slate. <laughs> and she was saying how racist. I said it, and then I just said, if you think Mm -hmm. What I said is racist, then you should resign because you're working under a person who wrote this article that I drew on. <laughs> and that's how they are. But these ne they never, Fauci has never said any word of apology, never once. And, and Burks hasn't even either. Yeah. And they did a lot of damage. I'm not saying that COVID was, I mean, I had it for nine months. So I'm not down, downplaying. And I believe, you know, as I've said before, a lot of our employment problems are that one in 10 uh, are either afraid of COVID, so they're not functioning or they're not out in society as they should be, or one in 10 have long COVID and they can't get back to a normal level of energy, or one in 10 have altered their lifestyles because they like the post-COVID environment of Zoom and don't show up for work. So it had enormous amounts of effect and it was a serious disease but the the medicine so to speak as uh, to quote an old roman nostrum um was much worse than the disease right well victor we um we are about out of time but i want to set aside two i want to have a special um end of show thing i'd like to share with our listeners but i'm going to spring something on you and, and give you two minutes maybe to comment on it uh did you see this piece i just saw it today in uh daily mail and we, we used to talk about california religiously on on the podcast every other podcast and i've, I've gotten away from that and that's bad of me but here's a california thing i want to throw at you quickly headline Defund the police, L.A. City Council member, asks the LAPD for extra patrols around his office 
after his car broke down and had to be left in the parking lot overnight. This is a guy named Hugo Soto Martinez, trade union activist and member of the Democratic Socialist Party. He was elected to the L.A. City Council in December on a platform of abolishing the LAPD. And his car breaks down. Of course, what does he do immediately? I want more. I want more uh, cops around to protect my broken down car. I think you you can believe that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, that I just thought of something you said. You remember he was a very skilled writer, and I think the Me Too kind of did him in, but Leon Weiseltier, is it? Yeah, Weiseltier. Weiseltier, New New Republic. New Republic, right. Yeah, I used to, but uh, he's a very controversial guy, and I I thought that he actually was maltreated, but uh, he was all over the political map, or he was apolitical, whatever term you use, but... He wrote a very insightful article, maybe 20 years ago, called, do you remember that? The Decline of the Black Intellectual. It was the cover story in the New Republic, and it caused a wave. And he's got a great scene where he interviews, I think it's Cornell West, who's giving him the usual, this is an unfair racist society, and they want to go down to Harlem, but he, he explains that he's not taking his Jaguar Mercedes down to Harlem. There's no way in the world that he would take his fancy high-priced car and drive it into the black community that that he's trying to tell this, you know, reporter, Leon, about how unfair America is. So, yeah. So, I mean, there's the world of what? There's the world of world. Yeah, you're in Plato's cave. There's the real people, and then there's the the shade on the wall. And that's yeah. what it is. We live in two alternate realities and everybody knows what's going on and nobody wants to talk about it. And uh, that's what we just, we just live. We just live in a, I think I wrote an article one called the empire of lies. And it's just, and that, that came up too. Do you remember when Ta Nehisi Coates was, very active before he became a multi-million dollar (laughs) comic comic book author. But he had that book, The Talk. You remember, I I wrote it for National Review and I said, there was also another talk. You remember that? And he he said, every young African-American has to have a talk about how he's going to be maltreated by the police. And I can see that. I can see that. But there was no there was no context that if you're four percent of the population and you're committing 55 percent of the violent crime then you might expect that the police would be inordinately stereotyping you but nothing like that but i pointed out i said i i got a talk from my dad too and it basically said you're living in east palo alto california which is the murder capital per capita of california if not the nation so you should be very very careful where you go and then, you, you know, and uh, he was saying that after he took my mother, who was a judge, up to San Francisco, and they got surrounded in a parking lot right. at night. And he had some, I think he gave $20 to each of the potential uh, assailant and said that this was a, a state appellate court judge, and, and they left. But And it wasn't a bad neighborhood. But my point is that uh, I got really attacked as a racist. I mean, God, everybody attacked that. Right. But I think every African-American parent gives two talks. One, be careful about the police. And two, be careful about the inner city on a Saturday night. Because uh-huh. 
And that seems self-evident, but it's something, you know, it's a, it's a reality we can't talk about, oh. which I just like to finish today's podcast. And, I, and I've talked about this phenomenon too. I'm really kind of, I don't know, I'm puzzled by it, but have you noticed this, Jack? I know our listeners are listening. You get an article in uh, the Daily Mail or American Greatness and or it doesn't have to be conservative even. It can be CBS News website or Fox, you know, Fox News site or what. And it's pretty straightforward. And usually there are certain little nuances that avoid controversy. And, and sometimes if the uh, suspect is African-American, they won't say that. But if the person is white male, it's a joke. They put his picture up, right? You know, that kind of stuff. So... But it's pretty straightforward. And then you start to read the comments and they're uncensored and they're almost, I mean, they're the, they're most inflammatory. Have you noticed what I'm saying? I uh, do. And it's, it's almost, you know, some of them are racist. Some of them are angry. Some of them are insurrectionary. I'm thinking, wow, this is such a strange juxtaposition. The paper, the media, whatever the venue is, goes out of its way to be politically correct and censors and warps the news account. But then they publish everything right. completely uncensored. That is, it's like sometimes it's border on clan-like, you know what I mean? And yeah. I can't figure it out. I thought, why don't you just be honest in your news account and disinterested and just tell it like it is, but not print all that stuff? And, and I guess what they're thinking is, Read the article, and it's going to make you so mad that the comments are going to be even wilder. So you want to go read the comments, and that'll give us more traffic. It's that's it in and, a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, and then we're not responsible for the comments, so we just right. print it. We can't, but we really want you to read this crazy, nutty people who are racist that are commenting, and yeah. yet, and they invite that, and it's it's really weird. Well, people aren't buying the actual, you know, piece of paper anymore. So the 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 slim revenue potential are the eyeballs on the internet, and no. you, yeah, you got to keep them coming you, back. And yeah, if you read the comments on major stories in some of these major, these are not fringe publications. You'd think we're going to be on the edge of a civil war. I mean, what the yeah. people are writing. Yeah. You know. Well, we had the we stopped the well. National Review allows comments for people who pay, you know, subscription, and some of them are not even. But uh, in the old before that, anyone could comment, and it was it was uh, it was a nightmare. You know, the, yeah. the wackadoos out there, and you just think like, why is why? You know, there's some people that spend their whole life commenting, and they they really need to be seeing a psychiatrist rather than than uh, you know spending a whole day criticizing stuff. Hey, anyway, Victor, we're, we're almost out of time, and yeah. I got to tell our you and our readers. Uh, readers our listeners something so about a year ago actually i think a year ago almost to the to the day we were doing a, a, a podcast and you were talking about uh, galileo and uh, and, the, and the vatican we're not going to get into that but so uh, somebody commented on it and as we read the comments at the end of the show i read a comment uh, by uh, a father john hollowell and it and it was titled "Big Fan," but Galileo. And then he he got into some very you know uh, friendly explanation of Galileo's relationship with the Pope at the time. Anyway, he was a big fan. So somebody else who uh, has my email address and knows Father Hollow wrote me a couple of like a week or so later. I said it was so good that you 
mention his name on the podcast. He's such a good man. He's 40. He's young. And um, he's very conservative. And he's dying. He's got brain cancer. He's dying. And uh, so, me, you know, I'm the former altar boy. I was like, oh, geez, I got to. You know, so I said, get me. Where is he? Where can I get in touch with him? So he told me. And, and I did get in touch with him um, shortly thereafter. I had a very long talk with him. Awfully nice guy. But, you know, death death was coming. He went to the Mayo Clinic. There's nothing we can do. Brain tumor. It's over. It's over. I was so happy the other day. You know, some people who are hypercathic may have seen this on internet but actually the daily mail did a piece on the, on him he went to lords now lords my friends even you non-catholics you may have seen the song of bernadette you know back in the from jennifer jones was in it she won an oscar lords is a place of cure for cures very few people do get cured but people go and father hollowell went to lords and his uh inoperable um, that, you know, uh, certain to die tumor is gone. It's considered Jack, a miracle. Jack, 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 yes, Jack, yes. Jack, Jack, Jack. Yes, well, yes, my brother. <laughs> so <laughs> brother you're telling, and this was he had a CAT scan that shows this pernicious gone. tumor. Yeah. yeah, and then he got. You have no to hope. tell me that the mechanics, he drinks the water or he ducks himself in the water. Well, I didn't read You know, the, the, there is a spring. There. They, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the the tumor disappears. Yeah. It's gone. Totally have you gone. ever been to Epidaurus and seen the Tholos of the Tholos Temple of Asclepius? I have not, Victor. Well, we I have don't a lot even of, know what any of those words. Well, we have a we have a lot of the, we have a lot of the inscriptions from the Tholos, and they're reconstructing it. Last time I was there, but the point is that you went to any temple of Asclepius, but this was the most famous. I think Alexander the Great funded it, or oh, that was the Philippion. But anyway, uh, you go there and you inhale some certain things, and this there's snakes kept in the basement and they come out and wither around and they're the sacred uh, messenger or pe pet of the God Asclepius that, you know, that the American cancer society where you have the staff, oh, sure, the snake, the snake, yeah, right. snake that comes from Asclepius. So, and then you inhale these vapors and you go into a mystic fit and you're cured. You walk out of the temple of Asclepius. And then as a, um, as a sign of your gratitude, there are, are peddlers outside and they, if you can't hear, they give you a clay ear. If you can't walk, they give you a foot. If you're impotent, they give you a phallus. Whatever it is that was cured, then you make an offering and they can be wood or they can be silver, depending on how much money or how much gratitude you want to show the God Exclepus. Then you hang that party. And we have all of those. I mean, not all of them, but right. the excavators have found them. So it was the same principle. But no one believes in our age of reason that this was anything. You know what I'm saying? That they right. just be they believe that it was a bunch of Asclepiades, yeah, uh, uh, Inc. Incorporated who made a lot of money on yeah. this. So you know, I'm the trying to give you, I'm, I'm trying to give you the voice of reason. Yeah, well, the church takes it very seriously. I know uh, the Catholic Church, and because many people, millions of people, go to Lords, and you know, it's they're, they're going there prayerfully. And I take it yeah. serious. I'm just trying to be facetious. I really believe in the power of prayer, and everybody listening yeah. 
knows that at certain times of their life, a thought has come through into their mind and suddenly there's been a visual like my right. favorite car was a 1959 Volvo 544 and then they're very rare and then all of a sudden as you're thinking that you see one drive by you we all have had that experience and i know that rationalists would say well that there's <laughs> mi millions of those experiences one has to be a coincidence yeah. but it's more than that you think of certain things or you think i haven't heard from a person in a long time and they call so i there is some i don't know what the word is i don't know if it's religious or cosmic or what but there are forces in the world yeah, well, god god made the world and he if he wants yes. to uh engage a little more intimately on occasion yeah, I, he does uh, in the form of a miracle he can and and yes, he does and we, he and, does and to this particular person father john hollowell from indiana who is a fan of this podcast and a fan of victor davis hansen <laughs> i am so happy i am too i'm very i should i should have said i should have said that the first thing i'm not trying to doubt that he's cured yeah. i'm just trying to make sure that everybody understands that that curing and everything requires faith, faith and you right. can't and you can't calibrate faith right. the powers of reason can explain 90 percent of the phenomenon that we all interact with every single day but they can't explain 10 percent of the human experience i know i don't mean that in the in the the relative importance of religion just in the, a daily right. everything you do during the day turn on the lights see a cloud cloudburst see a dog howl you can there's a scientific explanation but there's some phenomenon every single day you cannot you right. cannot instinct use what's how do you how do you uh how do you measure instinct right that, but it's it's certainly true no, yeah. no i i remember that one day i had a beautiful airedale terrier i had trained that dog and i got in i was very careful and I was thinking, what a beautiful dog it was. And I was on a Massey 275 with a spray rig, and that dog bolted, went out of the cage. He ran after me. I couldn't hear because I was spraying. In those days, we didn't wear protective hearing or clothing. And he had such thick hair that he got behind the, the, the big wheel. And there's something called power takeoff shaft on a tractor that goes to the spray rig that turns it. And it has uh, a plastic cover, so you don't see the, the it, to protect you. And he got in between the sleeve and a piece of hair on his neck got caught. And that thing turns, you know, at 2000 or, and that thing just whipped him around and threw him 20 feet in the air. And he was dead in the first foot in the air. And I thought, how could that ha possibly have happened? There's no explanation right. for it. He's never done that before. So there's mysteries in the world. I, you know, can't. I could. We could all hang up to now and drop dead. We don't know why. We don't get hit by a car. We don't know why. So yeah. reason has limits, even at Davos. <laughs> well, on that note, I just want to add. Uh, I write civil thoughts, a free weekly email newsletter for for the Center for Civil Society at what used to be called American Philanthropic and is now called Amphil. And it gives a dozen and more uh, recommended readings from the previous week. I think you'll like it. It's free. There's nothing we're selling uh, to you. So check it out, civilthoughts.com. You can sign up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sending in your comments. We read them and we appreciate them, even the ones that say, shut up, Fowler. So thank you very much for, <laughs> thank you. for listening. Thank you, Victor. We, we will be back soon with another episode of the Victor Davis Hansen Show. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody. 